Producer Jess here. This episode contains lots and lots and lots of spoilers for the Doctor Who specials. So if you haven't seen those yet, watch those before you listen to this episode. Also, the preamble to this episode centers around discussion on whether or not it's okay to celebrate the deaths of questionable historical and present figures. So if you don't want to hear that, maybe skip like 20 minutes into the episode. Bye. Tip of the teeth that takes the tongue. Every time you say that, it makes me laugh. The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. We started watching Do Re Mi Fa Sol La Ti Do. There we go. Do re mi fa sol la ti do. I thought you'd join me. I, I mean, it's a fun thing to sing. I don't know why I thought that. Okay, you meet me up here. Yeah. Yeah. Do a Ray. dear, a no, female how... dear. Ray, a drop of golden sun. Me, me a, a name, name I call, I call myself. myself. Good night. Have you seen? I know we've probably talked about dun, this dun, a dun, million dun, and one dun, times. Dun, 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 dun. But the John Mulaney SNL sketch of... Uh, Sound of Music is hilarious. I am 16, going on 17. I know that I'm naive. Fellows I meet may tell me I'm sweet and willingly I believe. That's true. You are 17, going on 18. Actually, I'm 33. I know I look young and I said I'm young, but I lied, I'm 33. You're 33, but you you ride a bicycle. Well, that's because I'm very poor, darling. And you live with your mother. Wow, she's got a list. Look, you're only as old as you feel, Liesl. Do you know what statutory means? No. It means I looked it up and we're on the right side of the cusp. I don't know, Rolf. It's a pretty big age difference, and I don't want to say this, but there's rumors that you're maybe a Nazi, maybe. Focus on the age stuff. You know what's great about aging? Mm. Is that even if you have talked about something previously... <laughs> you can just keep talking about it. Right now, it seems like a completely new-ass topic to me. <laughs> I have not I just, heard of this. The song is hilarious. I will send it to you, but it's basically John Mulaney um, singing the song, uh, like, you are 16, going on 17, yeah. I'm turning 33. <laughs> and he just, his age just keeps getting bigger. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it just highlights how inappropriate... So much of that movie and that specific relationship yeah. was. I mean, and he'd know. Uh, Mr. Lee his wife for Olivia Wilde <laughs> during I drug mean, rehab. Who know? I've and um, reading the IMDb about old Sound of Music. Mm. There was some shenanigans happening with uh, Liesel and well, not okay. Nothing improprietous happened, but I don't think you have to speak carefully. Everyone in that movie's dead. No. They gotta no, be. Who's Julie left? Andrews is still alive. No, is she? She is, Ben. She mm, is. I think she might have died last no, year. No, Mary Poppins is alive. Don't you say those horrible things at Christmas, too. Julie Andrews, born so-so-so, passed away on... <gasps> Shut the hell up. No, she didn't. Psych. I know my Julie Andrews, man. <laughs> do people still say psych? We do. We're bringing it back. She's still alive. How old is she? We're bringing psych back. 
Uh, she is an age that I'm trying to determine. Usually 88. There we go. Hey, good for her. Dick Van Dyke is still alive. How? I don't know, but he's still kicking. Good for him. You know who did die recently? Who? Henry Kissinger. Kissinger? Kissinger. Kissing, yes, Kissinger. Kissinger, my ass, you piece of shit. You know, that was what a what a death to be so celebrated by many people in the world. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, this is we're all coming together around this one. It's like when yeah. um what's her face like Margaret Thatcher died and there was a radio station in the UK that played Ding Dong the Witch is Dead on repeat for yeah. for like a day. I don't even think there was one. I think there was I a, think a bunch of radio stations. <laughs> I mean I I'm not even British and I was running around singing it all day. I just it's it, <laughs> Oof. Oof. Oh, I didn't realize you were such a big Margaret Thatcher fan. No, I'm not. But I just, I, I find they're gone. Celebrating. They're yeah. just, got, they're gone. And it's okay to celebrate. celebrate yeah, if you want. I just. dead pieces of shit. Wow, you feel some kind of way about this. This is interesting. Who else? Who else, Ben? Big old dick. Uh, when Elon Musk dies, I'm going to have uh, a party. That dude. Bezos? I'm going to order so much shit from Amazon when he dies. <laughs> And then return it. And when they ask the reason, Bezos's death. Do you like that song? This is how I celebrate. By Bo Burdum. Which one? The CEO entrepreneur born in This is wild. I've never listened to a no. Bo Burnham song. I know everyone, like, Pandemic was like, oh, Bo Burnham's amazing. And I was just like, I'm a contrarian mm. in that regard. Like, the zeitgeist never sweeps me up. I always feel like the innate urge to resist. Interesting. That said, I played Animal Crossing like a motherfucker. I was going to say, Ben, that there was other trends that you definitely, you know, the bandwagon so, I'm not pulls saying up. I'm consistent. <laughs> uh, I'm saying I'm stupid and no, irritating like to, to talk to. just like to pick and choose. It's fine. That's okay. Yeah. What's that called? Hypocritical? Uh, well, there's got to be a nicer word for it, but, you know. Hypocritical. Hypocritical? That makes it sound like it's... Hypnocritique. Ooh, I like that one more. It makes you sound like a Pokemon. I was thinking of Hypnotoad from Futurama. Oh, I was thinking of, like, it's the sleepy dog bear from pokemon do you feel i mean let's get real for a second okay. do you feel that it is personally distasteful to uh celebrate the death of someone who has caused harm on a massive scale i so here's the thing that i always think about that there's always i do because who am i to judge what's right and wrong okay before you say that and i know mm-hmm, you're gonna be like mm-hmm. well something so and people mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. celebrated margaret thatcher not that i was one of them just trying to line my face up with yours. Yeah, I know. We're trying to line up our faces on the, yeah. on the, on the zoomy on thing. Um, Riverside. People, Riverside. Yeah, that's what we record on. Some people enjoyed Margaret Thatcher and were sad when she died, like her, her, like her family. And I don't agree with her policies or what she did when she was around, but. I heard her family actually spent most of the day playing Ding Dong, the witch is no, dead. Even like I think about okay, I think about it the way I think about Pablo Picasso. I think that guy was a piece of shit. Problematic. Problematic piece of shit. Right, but he wasn't writing policy. No, but he was actively like preying on young women and destroying people's lives. Oh no, yeah. no, he's horrible shit. I'm just saying the scales of magnitude were slightly different. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, maybe. Like his I mean, fair enough. Like his damage though did not enter into policy that affected like, you know, millions and millions of 
British people and people beyond yeah. that. I mean, he made some paintings. But at the same time, too, there's people who don't know who Margaret Thatcher is, but there's like legions of six-year-olds drawing Pablo Picasso-esque portraits in school thinking he was a good dude mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he's not. He was a piece of yeah. shit. But more people know about him than they know about Margaret Thatcher. Mm. Well, is that a failing of the education system that we're not teaching about our greatest monsters? <laughs> Should we spend more time educating about history's missteps, which is pretty much anybody who gains some sort of notoriety? Well, and it's always like it's who is history written by, too. So it's people. The winners. The winners. Who beat Pablo Picasso at painting? How do you beat someone at painting? Was it Monet? Well, it's, you said history is written by the winners, right? Well, so if Pablo Picasso lost, and that's why we're learning about how shitty he is. He, or did he win? He Who won he until then? he was dead and out of the mm-hmm. frame long enough that people that he had harmed came forward to be like, actually, he was kind of a piece of shit. And there's also people like women that were, you know, abused by him that tried to speak out at the time. And people were like, well, you're just trying mm-hmm. to use his fame to get your two cents the, in. Yeah. As we know, the... The most wonderful approach to criticizing uh, victims is that they're doing yeah. it for attention or money. All that money that comes with being a victim of Pablo yeah. Picasso. Well, I feel like it was, If correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but I think that it was actually Pablo Picasso who coined the term bitches be crazy. Oh, yeah. No, it was Pablo. P-Bibbs. P P-Bibbs. <laughs> P-Bibbs came up with that. I guess my feeling on the matter is the criticism of these public figures is exactly that yeah uh celebration of the demise of a public figure and i appreciate that that is separate from the individual people who may have loved and cared for them um and that's difficult there's something difficult there to separate Mm -hmm. those two things but a public figure who has caused such harm i think Mm -hmm. i think that You've, you've transcended, you've become some sort of character and the celebration of your, your demise, I think. I mean, Queen, Queen, what's her fuck when she died? Uh, yes, Queen Elizabeth. Well, and that's an interesting one that you bring up. It was generally pretty positive vibes, yeah. Well, it depends on who you talk to. So I have a friend who... Right, if you're a British apologist. Well, I have a friend who's uh, English, grew up in England, yeah. moved to Canada, been here for like 20 years, who works with a person who is uh, First Nations. And both are my friends. And I was chatting with one of them after Queen Elizabeth died. And she was like, very different reactions at our at our workplace. Whereas he was like, oh, I'm so mm-hmm. sad. And she was like, good, f- her. And the two of them were like, oh, we're learning something about each other. And they had this well, very different... Well, it comes down to policy well, again. And exactly that, like, he grew up thinking, this is my monarch. She's done so many wonderful things. She drove a cat. Ta- well, what like, is what she-, is she actually physically, like, you know, like... Policy-wise, what she? I guess if you're you're one of the people that benefited from the Great Land mm. giveaway of of Canada, then you might think she's great. But like on closer inspection, anything positive that she did is through the lens of colonialism. She didn't right? stop and she didn't start anything. I think that was the big criticism. Or like when she died, people were like, "Well, was she so bad?" And people, I think the big criticism was, "Well, she didn't stop anything that was in place that I'm aware mm. of." I could be 100 percent wrong. I don't know. Yeah, no, there's some pretty – oh, God, I wish I could instant recall, like, those really good podcasters. But, like, <laughs> I think like if us. you Google it, there's a fair <laughs> list of, like, actual very awful damages oh, that she herself implemented and continued. Well, if, if you look at The Crown, which, I like, I do understand that The Crown is a the, fiction. The TV show? It is a fictional piece, but there – 
Oh, I thought you meant the crown in the bigger sense no. of like the crown as in the institution the, of the monarchy. The TV, and, the television program. But you mean the TV show. They did take mm-hmm. speeches and conversations and letters that were written verbatim and just did them again on the show. Like a lot of like what Prince Philip had said. Well, he was just, he was just a racist and a misogynist. Yeah. And so when you put it in that context, like, yeah, they weren't great folk. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to find a list real quick of like saliently awful things that Queen Elizabeth did so I can just like bam. And bam, while you take do that, that I'm gonna bam. look up nice things she did. Bam. To uh, I think she once kissed a baby. Good things. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth did. Here we go. And I'm gonna try not to look at the actual royal family website because I feel like, you know what? <laughs> Somebody scream. Okay, here we go. No, these are just things that she did, not necessarily. Positives. Yeah, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. What you got? What you got? Okay, I have 12 points. Are you ready? Number one, she served in World War II. As what? She was a uh, ambulance driver and mechanic. Okay. Where, like, front line? Like, where was she at? In England. Okay. So right. when the bombings were happening in England, she drove ambulances and also fixed service vehicles. So some of these things I want to like back up and be like, well, what does that mean? Okay, so for example, she made the succession more equitable. I don't. I yeah. want to know what that the means that because mean? succession more equitable. You split the goods that you stole from people better. Time for a pedantic Jess note. Pedantic. pedantic. Sorry, my voice sounds like this. I am so sick. I've been so sick for so long. Uh, The equitable, like, succession thing about Elizabeth is that in 2013, she gave royal assent to the Succession to the Crown Act, which meant um, both sons and daughters of any future UK monarch has an equal right to the throne. The only reason Elizabeth was able to take the throne when she did was because her father didn't have any male heirs. It was only her and her sister, and that was what made her next in line. But if she had had a brother, even if he was born after her, it would have skipped her and immediately gone to him. So she sort of restacked it so that women are held in the same esteem as men in terms of succession to the crown. Whether or not you think the crown needs to exist is like a totally different thing. I'm not trying to make a comment on that. Just saying that she did make it more equitable for women. And she actually has done a lot for women, like even within her own family. Like she made sure that her daughters got the same education that her sons got. And she even kept her own last name even when she got married married to Prince Philip. So, um, yeah, I mean, she did do a lot to make things more equitable for women. Again, whether or not we want to get into like how whether first wave feminism really went far enough, that's a whole different thing. But she did, I think she did a good job when it comes to women. That's my two cents. Ooh, she visited there by um, acknowledging its existence, the Republic of Ireland in 2011. Wait, wait, wait. That one is... That one is going to need some context because I'm, I'm just reading the list here to you, Ben. Oof! I don't think we can do the list without 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 checking that list. Okay, I like. There's not. It, you guys would have to do an entire other episode about like the history of the Republic of Ireland, but I'm not going to do that. That's like way too much. You guys should watch Dairy Girls. If anybody hasn't watched Dairy Girls, Dairy Girls is a great show, and it's not necessarily about like the Republic of Ireland, but it's about you know, the resistance of Ireland. And it's just a really good show. So watch Dairy Girls. That kind of encapsulates a lot of it. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it's a really 
complicated issue because Ireland was the first colony that England took over, basically, and then they fought against the British rule for a really long time before they finally were acknowledged. So I guess that is a nice thing that Elizabeth was like, hey, you guys were a colony and you didn't want to be a colony. And then we had to have a huge indigo. We had to have a huge fight about it. And then you finally stopped being a colony and we acknowledged that y'all were a colony that we colonized, I guess, is the sum of that. So yeah, I I don't know. You guys should just do an episode on that. I, I don't know if we want to make this a history podcast, but like, yeah. She did a lot of charity work. She reformed the monarch's finances. She supported racial justice in the Commonwealth. Again, like, there's a lot of, like... Mm, did she? Well, you find me some sources here, <laughs> bucko. I'm reading you off a list and you're everything. You're like, well, I can't change. I don't know. <laughs> this is what I'm saying, though. We can't just read a positive list without, uh, you know, fact-checking. I think we're doing well, a disservice otherwise. So are we going to read the bad list and just be like, this is true because it's mean? And it exists on the internet. Well, no, you can probably find um, sources for the criticisms. For both the good and the bad. I do wonder if this is pulling away from our main topic. It might Are be. Are we, is this, is this the, <laughs> the episode where we shit all over the royal family? I mean, I'm happy to do that anytime, any episode. I know you are. <laughs> the monarchy is a colonial institution that has ravaged most of the world. Like, partition. Partition. The partition of... India and Pakistan? Yeah. Yeah. So is that not during her reign? When did she take over? I feel like that was at the end of World War II. It was after World War II, and it was under the rule of her father, King George. I mean, it's during her families and her institutions. I mean, can you can you be the good colonialist? Can no. you be the good Nazi? Well, I mean, according to a lot of books that have come out after World War II, there were good Nazis. Oh, yeah? Well, as good as a Nazi can be. How do you answer that question, Penn? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. That's We've opened up this big uh, sort of uh, ethical ethical question well, of balance. It's but like, yeah, that's when you look at like... I'm going to... I just finished reading The Tattooist of Auschwitz hmm. and reading the book and then reading like a lot of the controversy about the book were like... So what the person who wrote the book said is that she met with the person who's identified in the book as the tattooist of Auschwitz, and he recounted his stories to her, and then she wrote them down, and a lot of historians and other um, survivors and families of survivors were like, ooh, that's not true. And then she was like, well, I'm just saying what he told me. Then Mm -hmm. you come back to the whole like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know anymore. I don't know. I read the book. It was sad. I thought people are horrible. I think if there's any sort of a takeaway here is to interrogate the things that you interact with news-wise, history-wise, and try to find the the harm that's caused mm-hmm. by institutions that you might otherwise hold up. Like, I'm going to celebrate when Benjamin Netanyahu dies. I don't think I know enough about him to feel any sort of way about him. I mean, he's currently committing a genocide, so I feel like that's 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 enough. Who, Ben, if I may ask a stupid question, who is Benjamin? Who is it? Please don't. Who's that? I I know the name. Oh, I'm sorry. You actually mean that. I, I thought don't you were know. Asking esoterically, no. like existentially. No, I don't. 
I don't know who he is. He uh, is. I the, know the name, but I don't know who the he is. He's the current leader of the Israeli government. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, there some context. Gotcha. There. Jess we go. might need to cut a lot of this out. <laughs> <laughs> We're absolutely off the topic, but I found this such a fascinating conversation, and I think your pushback was interesting <laughs> on the concept of uh, humans being complex individuals and it's oftentimes easier to just think of somebody as a cartoon villain um well it's like when people talk about napoleon which isn't me trying to suggest that um that we require some sort of uh sanctity to individuals just for existing like the evil is real regardless of if you're a cartoon or not the complexity of the humanity of an evil person to me is just an alarm that shows us how easily capable humanity is of doing just horrendous shit to each other and we don't have to be cartoon villains to do that but i feel like if you like if you you are a public figure you Mm -hmm. are opening yourself up to history or society making you into a cartoon figure whether you like it or not that's true and i was just saying that earlier is that like you know what are we celebrating the death of like the actual individual that people knew no the news article headline individual but then at some point they become one and the same. And that's the yeah. the tricky thing. Because even Napoleon, well, we, I have you seen the new yeah. movie with uh I have not. I haven't it is, is it out uh, yet? I don't Ridley even know. Scott, right? Yeah, Ridley Scott. I want to see it. I don't know if it's out yet. I'm yeah. I'm interested to see it because my dad was a big Napoleon history buff. And one of the things that I read about Napoleon was, you know, a lot of people hated him, thought he was this awful, awful person, but at the same time, too, there's a giant group of people who thought he was this champion of the little man if i can make a joke because of napoleon complex anyway um but he was also known for uh, not known for other things that he did like he did emancipate uh the jewish population at the time Mm -hmm. i don't know i just feel like it's it's hard to feel any one way about a person well there's a there's an interesting i think aspect of i don't know if scope's the right word or distance because at some point the harm that you've done has moved so far down the line that it becomes more of a historical analysis as opposed to a emotional or humanitarian response to the very active or recently active harm or continued harm that you've participated in. I think that might be part of it for Mm, me. That makes sense. But you know what? Let's, uh, let's lighten the mood (laughs) a little bit here. What are we talking about today, Ben? Fucking don't know. Which of these <laughs> nicknames for Elizabeth II do you like the most? Oh, no. Lilibet, Brenda, Brenda, Gangan, the boss, or she who destroyed? I always, I, I, I've only heard of the Lilibet. <laughs> I didn't know the other ones. What do you think your nickname's going to be? Me? Like, Stupid. Oh, Ben. Big dum dum. Oh, God. Ben? Ben is my nickname. Yeah. Hmm. Anyhow, write in with your thoughts on uh, uh, whether or not you should celebrate the death of uh, sort of, I don't know what you'd call them, classically considered evil figures <laughs> or not classically. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That seems right. Like, do we celebrate the death of Hitler? Would that have been okay if we were alive at the time? Well, I mean, people did. There's lots of photos Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Sure. Right. So, or do we uh, consider the painter the tortured soul? The tortured soul. Trying to consider this through the lens that we've been talking about, about like mm. the humanity of an individual. But yeah, I would say dope. Super celebrate that shit. Get out there. Have a big party in New York. Celebrate good times. Come on. No. 
<laughs> Should we have a theme song now after 20 minutes of discussing historically awful individuals? Let's do it. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. This is Dork Matters, a dorky podcast for dorks, and I'm your dad, dork host, Ben Rinkle. And with me is Lexi Hunt, your Ed Dorkator. Say hi, Lex. Hi, Lex. <laughs> I like it. Okay. We are here to discuss <laughs> Doctor Who. Of course. You couldn't tell yeah. by that really high energy, exciting intro. But before we get to that, let me just read this. A little bit of Queen Elizabeth II's violent reign. Oh my god, I thought we were moving on. I thought it was going to be like a fun fact about David Tennant. Nope. Uh, I'm just, I'm just joshing. You can Google that shit yourself. It's, it's horrible. It's long. Uh, I will leave it to you, dear listener, to decide if uh, that sort of passing is worth exuberance or not. Actually, write us, write us, let us know what you think. I'd be curious to hear what other people think about the celebration of... Uh, these sort of controversial public figures. One such celebrated controversial figure is the Doctor of Doctor Who fame. Now, not a lot of people may know this, but Doctor Who is actually, from many considerations, a war criminal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Doctor Who was involved in the Time War and eliminated more than one species, including his own, the Gallifreyans. Uh, There's some timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff that comes after that, uh, that may or may not negate his own ending of his people, but, you know, you got to watch the show. Uh, what do we know? We're not talking about all Doctor Who. We're just talking about the most recent specials, right? I think so. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Um, I think there's some stuff that we should talk about Doctor Who okay. in general because we have not... Ever talked about Doctor Who really in depth, yeah. Oh, somehow. In, uh, we're in our third season. Yeah. We have not done really Doctor Who. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to focus more on the three specials. Uh, the return. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Spoilers. This is your last chance. Eject if you have not watched the most recent Doctor Who specials. The return of uh, David Tennant as the 14th Doctor. Originally the 10th Doctor. Originally. And some yes. people say 10B as well. Mm-hmm. As there was a regeneration from a severed limb at one point. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of, to talk about with the specials, but uh, what is Doctor Who Lex? Can you can you give us an overview for those who may not know? Oh, John had such a great um, description of Doctor Who the other day, and now it's completely escaped me. Oh, well, I'll just read the Wikipedia like, first. No, oh, oh no, oh, I got it, got I got it, it. You got it back. It's because we were watching Loki, and we were talking about how like all this time shifting and back and forth, and I was like, "What do you think mm-hmm. of it?" And he said. That he was reading that somebody had said that Loki is our generation's Doctor Who, in that it's this detective type person moving around time, trying to solve crimes, fix problems, create problems, is kind of benevolent, isn't really positive, isn't really negative. And I think that that's a really great one. So if you've seen Loki, basically that's what Doctor Who is, where it's just this time lord who can't die can't really live with anyone unless you've seen the most recent series 
um, and he just <laughs> he moves around in this little police box called a TARDIS through universe and time and it's just it's wonderful i don't know how to describe it other than that yeah it's an adventure in time and space it is yeah a omnipotent all-knowing being who travels with a a friend and companion a companion is the uh, nomenclature used in the show nomenclature nomenclature term definitely not that third one <laughs> no man's clature Sounds like you're saying clitoris, but with an accent. Little. Yeah. No man's clitoris. <laughs> I don't know why that one. Ugh, that that's felt weird. New, yeah, a, I don't like that one. <laughs> uh, it's a British sci-fi television series. It started on, uh, well, it's still on BBC, although yeah. they have a new partnership with Disney, but it started in 1963. Which is amazing. And it's been going since then. It's had a few periods of uh, sort of... Uh, dropping out of uh, downtime just downtime yeah downtime and then you uh you sort of go for a long time and then you hit an era that's known as new who which mm -hmm. is i would say the current era from 2000 something or whatever when uh um rtd reinvigorated the the series with the help of uh, canada's own cbc it was mm -hmm. a co-production russell t davies brought back the show with christopher eccleston as the ninth doctor uh which i feel like eccleston was really like couldn't have been a better pick, you know? Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, he really is. And Eccleston is an interesting one to start with because Eccleston is the first to deal with sort of all of this really wild stuff that apparently happened off camera during the time that, that Doctor Who wasn't on air, um, the time war specifically that we alluded to previously. but mm -hmm. And was uh, super suffering from some PTSD and some real upset shit about it. He was wearing a leather jacket. He was a little bit angrier than your your Doctor Who you might be familiar with. Yeah, the original Doctor Who was kind of portrayed as like a wacky uncle, whereas Eccleston was kind of like your scared like Vietnam War uncle. Ugh, seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if I'm being straight, I do not have much experience with anything before mm. New Who. Uh, Christopher Eccleston... And that revival is basically my jumping on point for yeah, Doctor I'd Who. Say about the same. I've gone back and watched a few episodes of some of the Doctors previous to that, mostly for regenerations because I find that interesting. Regeneration, as an aside, is what happens when the Doctor suffers some sort of fatal damage uh, that would kill a human, but not no. the Gallifreyan, a time, time lord. Can't be taken down like that. No, they can't. And they re 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 regenerate, often with a new face. <laughs> Usually yeah. with a new face. Do you have any favorite doctors? Have you gone back and, and looked at old doctors uh, much? See, I, I think about them as like I think about a Spice Girl. They're all wonderful in their own way. You can't pick a favorite. They're there for a reason. Yeah. I mean. But do you? I mean, it's David favorite? Tennant. But other than David Tennant, like I love all of them, but it is David Tennant. You're not. I mean, a lot of people agree with David you. David Tennant's amazing. There's a, there's oh, a reason that David Tennant has... Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Spoilers. Come back. Yeah. Um, so let's go through New Who. I cannot yeah. cite old Who doctors, uh, the actors or anything off of mm -hmm. the top of my head, but I can do New Who, starting with Christopher Eccleston yep. as the ninth doctor. Yep. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. Then we get David Tennant as 10th Doctor. Yes. Hello. Okay. New teeth. That's weird. Matt Smith as 11th Doctor. Who was the youngest person to play. Ever. Ever, ever. to play. Because he was like 
what, 25, something like that. Like, it was mid-20s yeah, when yeah. he became he a doctor, very young. which very was young, amazing. Very cool. Yep. Super cool dude. But I'm, I'm a girl. No. No. I'm not a girl. No. I, I'm still not ginger. I'm something else. I'm something important. I'm... 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 Bow ties are cool now. Fezzes are cool now. Thanks, Matt Smith. Turned his sonic screwdriver, which is yeah. a multi-tool that the doctor carries into a pair of sonic sunglasses, Ray-Bans. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, we're during the Moffat era at this point. Uh, <laughs> then we get the 12th doctor, which is Peter Capaldi. Yep. What's happening? We're coming to catch oh. a wall. Stay calm. And then Peter Capaldi regenerates into Jodie Whittaker. Oh, yeah. Long story. Tell you later. Doors? Lock shop. We'll see about that. Which is, I loved Jodie Whittaker so much. Oh, so but did I. if you ever saw some of her other roles, like when she was in like Broadchurch, she yep. is so good. Loved That's it. my first experience with Jodie Whittaker's oh. Broadchurch, uh, a BBC British crime drama show. Uh, maybe didn't stick the landing in that first season, but still enjoyed the rest of the show. Well, really, Ben? I'm going to disagree with you there. Hmm. Uh, I find it... Let's do a little yeah. Broadchurch side, side thingy here. I found the ending to be a bit like... Really, it was him the whole time, and you couldn't figure that out. There was no like, sort of like, never any sort of like. But they talk yeah. about that. They talk about that. They even say like, "How could yeah. you not know that it was him?" And that's why I loved it so much, is because it's always a person who knows yeah. the victim. Always. It's all like nine and a half yeah. times out of ten. Fair enough. Anyway, I guess I was expecting. Ugh. And he was such a, and he was such a creep oh, about he was it. So too. creepy. Ugh. And then we get uh, what's his face, um, the dude from the Harry Potter movies who's the janitor as like that church guy, right? Or was he a different character? Oh, no, he was the 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 janitor because then, he, yes, yes, yeah. yes, you're right. What is it? Anyway, of, yeah. But then you also have David Tennant absolutely. in that one too. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. So fantastic. So good. So good. Oh, um, yeah, Jodie Whittaker okay, so is yes. our 13th and that brings mm. us to 14. Our, our, the, oh, David Tennant again? What the fudge? David Tennant again. I know this teeth. What? 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 David Tennant came what? back. This What's is so happening? confusing. Everyone's shocked. Jodie Whittaker regenerates into David Tennant. Yep. And then things get really weird. David Tennant's uh, 14th Doctor regenerates but does not die. What? What is happening? We warned you there were spoilers. You should have been out by now. We're spoiling mm -hmm. away. It's happening. In the third of the most recent specials, we all expected a regeneration into Shurigatwa. Um, of sex education fame, the the most recent and fifteenth Doctor. Yeah, but in a very unexpected twist, David Tennant's Doctor, the fourteenth, does not die. He gets to go into retirement. I know. In something they're calling by generation. I just love that it happens. Uh, anyway, okay, continue. Yeah. Those are our new Who Doctors. If you want the old Who Doctors, uh, Google that shit. I was going to do that, but we spent mm -hmm. way too much time uh, debating whether or not we could be happy about <laughs> Queen Elizabeth's death. Not specifically her death, just people just people in yeah. general. Yeah. People in general. Sorry, Sorry. Not, not her specifically, but we did talk about her specifically a whole lot as our as our person of example in that in that discussion. We did talk a lot. Of, yes. 
We did. And Picasso and Hitler. Well, and, and Margaret Thatcher and Picasso and Hitler. Which is a great... Yeah, please be clear. <laughs> I'll be clear. Lucy's I'm not, not pro-Hitler. Humanizing Hitler. Not pro-Hitler. <laughs> no, I think we... Not I think it was an interesting that. conversation to discuss, like, where the celebratory nature come from and uh, why people might feel like that's okay in divorce from the individual human that did those awful things. Like, I, I find that fascinating. The end to Doctor Who that we missed was the episode where they go back in time to try to kill yes. Hitler as a baby. How did we how did we forget about that episode? <laughs> I know. I forgot. My favorite oh my episode God. is when they go back and meet uh, with Van Gogh. I think that's Matt Smith. Yeah, it is. That was, yeah, yeah, it was Matt Smith. And I thought that was such a great one because I truly feel like... Did you cry at the end of that episode? Yes! I sure did. How could you not? I drew a comic about it. Like, his just damaged oh. psyche, his upset nature. Yeah, I remember that comic. It was great. Yes. Oh, it was, I just loved... And just, like, finding out that validation that a lot of people yeah. don't get in life. And he gets this beautiful yeah. moment of... Joy. It's just seeing people appreciate his work and he's he's like shocked and startled by it. Like props to the actor who played Van Gogh. My God. Yeah. Oh, no. he's fantastic. I don't know who that was, but like in, name drop right here. Tony Curran. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> but yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And I think Josh Groban's Starry Starry Night starts playing in the background. Starry Starry Night. Oh, it's yeah I do appreciate when they they right the wrongs like things that should have happened like Van Gogh should have had his happy ending so I really appreciate it when like the doctor goes in there and is like I'm gonna do it he's gonna do it the episode I was talking about is Let's Kill Hitler <laughs> the eighth episode of the sixth series of uh, Doctor Who that was broadcast on BBC on 27th of August 2011 Just love the uh, name Let's Kill Hitler <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That is really funny. I forget what all the premises, but yeah, for some reason they go back in time and accidentally save Hitler as a baby. And there's some sort of ethical debate about, you know, can you pre-kill somebody for the crimes they will commit or something? I don't know. I'm not getting into that. Yeah. Let's not interrogate that. It's a, but you know, it's, but that's one of the great things about Doctor Who is that all those conversations that you've had with your friends about like, if you could go back in time and shoot baby Hitler in the face, would you do it? Doctor Who actually puts that to life. I am not having those conversations with my friends. Oh, okay. Well, I mean... It's only because I don't have friends, Lex. Don't worry. I'm your friend, and we have literally talked about this before. <laughs> Doctor Who is going to go back in time to yeah. Margaret Thatcher, and <laughs> let's kill Margaret Thatcher the next season. That's going to be episode. the next season's episode. But that's one of the things that I love slash hate about Doctor Who sometimes is the campy nature of the acting. Like, sometimes it's so over the top that I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, is this a CBC drama that's going to be axed in like two weeks because it's just so much but then you get into it and it's great yeah yeah it's part of the charm yes um you can live with a good suspension of disbelief or just an acceptance for the doctor universe yeah, you, can you live have in a world to with cybermen that have milk jugs painted silver on their head <laughs> or a stretched out skin lady that's speaking to christopher eccleston Oh my God, she's great. What's her name? I yeah, forget. She, I can't remember. She's getting misted all the time. People have to keep misting her. Yes, that's one of the things that I was like, what am I watching? And she calls herself the last human. 
the last human because they go to the end of time. They go to the end of time. The Doctor and Rose go to the end of time. That's like the first episode. No, it's the second episode, the end of the world. Oh, my bad. Oh, That's the episode where they meet the, the face of Bo, right? It's the Lady Cassandra who is billed as the Lady last Cassandra. human, but is actually just mm-hmm. a face on a large piece of skin that must be continually moisturized, which is yeah. just the worst word. But I mean, it really kind of fits the theme. But it's like the first time you watch um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and people are jumping, and you're like, they can't do that. And then you're like, wait, I'm just going to get into it. And yes, people can jump high. Yeah, this is a universe where they absolutely can do Why that. Why not? And so as soon as you yeah. get into it and stop thinking about like, that's not real. Like, none of this is real. Live in the world of of, of Doctor Who. Be part of it's it. It's fun. That's the joy. It's fun, yes. It is fun. And scary. A little, there's a lot of moments in Doctor Who where you're like, this is, it's so campy. I would argue it's at its best when it's scary. Yes. But, and it's, it's disarming because it's so campy sometimes and the overacting and you're like, oh, you, you kind of are lulled into this false sense of security. And then this like really violent thing happens and you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. Body horror, or some other type of horror, the ood. Well, even just some of the monsters are terrifying. Waters of Mars is one of the most terrifying episodes of TV I've ever watched. <laughs> Do you remember that episode? Yeah, I try not to think about it. Yeah, it's terrible. Faces cracking and sucking water Oof, out of people. Yeah. Like, well, Weeping Angels. All oh, the Weeping Angels were terrifying. Are one of the most, yeah, that episode that David Tennant's barely in. I had to check like five times to see if I was mm-hmm. actually watching Doctor Who. Yes. Introducing one of the most like horrifying villains in the entire canon. Can you know what time it's for right now? Who's that Pokemon? What time is it for? Who's that Pokemon? Not today, Lex. Oh, who's that Doctor Who? It's time for Doctor Who's That Pokemon. Look at you. Good job, Ben. Good job. Good joke. Thank you. I've been waiting all week for that one. And yes, I I do have one lined up for you. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. This should be a real easy get for you. It's a TARDIS. It is not a TARDIS, but good first guess. I am outlining the shape. Dialect. Dialect. <laughs> it's a yes, you're right. Da na 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 na. It's dialect. Dialect. A Dalek. <laughs> Exterminate. <laughs> it is in fact a Dalek. How can you uh, do a Doctor Who's that Pokemon and it not Without be that, a Dalek? Yeah. Right. You got to be a Dalek. Now that we're back to our regular scheduled programming, let's get into what we came here to talk about. To t- to talk about. What we came here to talk, the tip of the teeth, the lips, the tongue, the tip of the teeth, the lips, the tongue, the rain in Maine falls rainly on the Spain. There you go. I think I there got you it. Go. Yeah. Let's roll. Good to go. We're talking about the Doctor Who specials. That's what we're here for. Yeah. The return of David Tennant for the 60th anniversary Doctor Who specials. We've got the Star Beast special one, Wild oh. Blue Yonder special two, and the Giggle. <laughs> special so three good. yeah let's start at the beginning the star yep. beast should we give a quick synopsis or how do we do this yeah so if you haven't had a chance like just assume everything in this uh episode is spoilers if you haven't watched it yet stop go watch the three come back okay so we start with the doctor reappearing almost harry potter like through a brick wall is the uh police box comes to a halt just by donna noble which is just amazing. What? Donna has... Donna. And we know that Donna's memory has been wiped so that she didn't die. We are going to assume that you have uh, yes. either a, 
a knowledge of Doctor Who here, or at least an interest in just going along with us, as we've suggested, and just sort of listening to the story. Donna Noble is a previous companion of the Tenth Doctors, yes, uh, whose mind had to be wiped in order to save her from uh, taking on Time Lord energy into her brain that would have caused her to mm-hmm. die if she had remembered the Tenth Doctor. Yeah. So it's a big oopsie yeah. doopsie that he has the Tenth Doctor's face again and has landed next to Donna Noble. But it's also curious that they keep being drawn back together what curiouser and curiouser what What? and since their parting of ways donna has grown up a bit and won the lottery given all of her money away though (laughs) um married and had a child rose 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 is lovely who is lovely and interesting, and I want to come back to Rose and the story of Rose in a little bit, but yes, Rose. Mm -hmm. And then she comes across the doctor, Donna, I mean, and just because they happen to be in the right place at the right time consistently, there is an alien spacecraft crash nearby. That's how you do. Yeah. And we're introduced to a fluffy, cuddly, large-eyed, bush-baby-looking motherfucker called the Meep. The Meep was so freaking cute. The Meep. The meep doesn't I, know why the meep is being hunted. And the meep has a little hurt paw. Me, 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 me. Everything, <laughs> the dog, when I was watching that, was going ape shit. Was your dog trying to kill the meep? <laughs> oh, he hated See, the meep. Know. He was just, ah! dogs, dogs, know. Know. dogs know. And I should have known because flash forward, the meep, as he's being hunted, <laughs> This we is believe, a connection to our earlier part of the episode again. No, and I take it back because I just refer to the meep as he because they very specifically go over the meep's pronouns. And he's, oh, yes, they do. Right, they do. And the, the meep, meep is always the singular, the meep. The meep. So the meep is being chased by these very spooky, scary, bug-looking people. Skeletons? Uh, I, I, Sorry, I'm referencing the song. Spooky, scary skeletons. skeletons. Drums, drums, shivers <laughs> up your spine. People are listening to this on January 3rd, so we are past Halloween. We are very much past it. And we have actually passed now, which we are recording before. Yes. So we can't talk about. Yes. The first episode of uh, Shooty Got was uh, Tenure as the Doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that's a Christmas episode. It is, but we are doing a Doctor Who year. Happy Doctor Who year. Doctor Who year. Uh, yeah, so the meep. Uh, anyway, so the, the meep actually turns out to be the aggressor in the situation, which I love because the meep literally is the cutest little thing in the world and it teaches you not to judge a book by its cover. So even, or to trust no one. Or to also trust no one, especially if they're cute. <laughs> So the meep, I just love how the meep transforms from this cute oh, little thing to, to with this it. creature that's like, yes, and has like the teeth and the eyes. Ah, oh, so good. So good. Love it. No trial, just death. And then literally kills. The two lizard-like <laughs> space cops. What are they called? The wraiths. The wraiths, yeah. Uh, with the meep and the wraiths. And so, okay, I'm just reading this. So the doctor um, winds up back at Donna's house. With the meep, somehow kind of stranger things getting into Rose's shed in the backyard. And Rose is also creating like a, she's uh, like an Etsy seller. Yeah. And has all these like stuffed animals in the shed that she's creating. So the meep hides uh, very much like E.T. in the pile of things. And I love it because Dawn is like, oh. Dude, that was an intentional reference. Yeah. I love it so much. And she just pokes the meep right in the eye. And yeah. he's like, ah. Very Dawn and it. Noble. Uh, yeah, very the whole thing. Noble. Uh, the Meep tries to destroy London to launch the Meep ship, and then the Meep, you know, is stopped by the Doctor, Donna, and Rose in a 
mm-hmm. in a way that also solves the problem of the Time Lord energy that was uh, stuck in Donna's head that was yes. possibly going to kill her and results yes. in a happy ending for all. A happy ending. So I have a comment about this episode. Please do. And I thought it was going to be maybe controversial, so just wait. Just let me get it out oh, because it's going to make sense. If it's going to be controversial, let me just say, can we celebrate the death of the Meep, a genocidal, gigantic sure. evil figure yeah. from space who literally gigantic. is a cartoon? I mean, is literally a cartoon figure. <laughs> gigantically in the amount of evil they commit, <laughs> and is literally a cartoon evil. It's figure. literally a cartoon. Yes, sure, go nuts. Let's, let's celebrate the death of the Meep. <laughs> Fuck you, Meep. Uh, actually, the Meep gets arrested and doesn't die. So. Yeah, it doesn't actually die. So that's and threatens go. that the Meep's master is coming. They don't even go by they them. They are the, the Meep. Meep. Just always, always the, Meep. the Meep. So in part of the story is the um, the fact that Rose is a transgendered individual. So one of the things that I noticed about this, had, did you watch Good Omens season two? I have watched part of Good Omens season two. Okay. Uh, it did not grab me the same way that the first season no. did. I agreed. And John and I were talking about why we felt that way. And we believe it is because of the random, like it wasn't a strong writing this time around, but what do you do without Terry Pratchett? People did the best they could. But a part of it was because I feel like they were trying to do too much in a short amount of time and adding too many complexities of different relationships in. And... In the second season of Good Omens, there is a relationship between David Tennant's character and, oh, I've completely blanked on his name. Angel Boy. Angel. Oh, was married to the lady from, God, we suck. <laughs> yeah, we've Michael never been Sheen. good at this. Michael Sheen. We've never been good um, at recalling facts on command for a podcast. I apologize. What are we even So doing? between David Tennant's character and Michael Sheen's character... And I was kind of frustrated with it because one of the things that I loved about the first season was the the friendship between those two. Mm. And I think that there's something really powerful about shows that can get into the different types of relationships and not having everything be about romantic love. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. like friendship, there's love between family members, Absolutely. like there's so and many different nuances. Exceptionally rare to see a sort of uh, close physical in a lot of way f- f- friendly relationship between two male characters yes and like so it's a i was very like rare sort of thing but well and i thought that when they did that i was a little bit let down because i thought you could have explored this one relationship and just had it been about a strong friendship between two men mm-hmm. and it's okay to be friends with men and express emotion yeah, no, there's and, an aspect of that that right? is underrepresented for sure um, Absolutely. That said, I got to be honest. I'm one of the people that's like, they are totally going to uh, either going to or have been doing it for thousands of years. I mean, <laughs> that was my vibe from the first series. I can't help it. I never got that from the first. Anyway, so I just kind of thought when they threw like, that, that went in there, I thought, was that really like an intentional thought or was that like you threw it on? Because I feel like representation matters. And mm-hmm. so I think it's important that we have a black doctor now, that there was a woman doctor, that there's depictions of um, trans people on TV, that there's queer couple. Like, I think that that is important. However, I think it's super important that those individuals and those great groups of people are given authentic stories and Absolutely. intentional writing and not just having it like thrown in kind of like, oh, yeah, and they're gay. Like, well, 
Sure, that's it, a disservice to right. I th- I think, and I felt that way a little bit about parts of Good Omens. Yeah. Whereas in Doctor Who, specifically this episode, Rose's whole storyline. At first, I was like, "Where are y'all going with this?" And then it came out at the end, and the whole non-binary and binary thing. And I was like, "Oh," and I just appreciated that, like. Even though it was kind of like a, a little jokesy thing there, I just appreciated that it was a part of the storyline that was written for a reason and not necessarily like, oh, and by the way, they're trans. Oh, and by like, it's an authentic, intentional writing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I have many I don't know thoughts. that like, yeah. And I thought like, if anything, I think they maybe could have represented it in a more deeper way specifically with doctor who the first special i found maybe a little bit mm. clunky with the execution of it uh love the yes. intent love yes. the desire to have a storyline absolutely uh, bit I, I don't know maybe it's just me and again i am you know yeah. cishet white guy so i am not the best to offer you know how important or like <laughs> the proper analysis of how this represents the feelings of a trans yes. community uh, but from my perspective, it came across as a little bit like on the nose and clunky at, at some points. Um, I guess the part that I was like, oh, did Time Lord, are they suggesting that Time Lord energy made Rose transgender? Is that what they're trying to get at? Oh, I never picked up on that. That's interesting. And I was like, that kind of removes, uh, you know, the reality that trans people exist from sort of like, like, oh, it mm. only, like, pe- trans people only exist from magical space wizardry like like, but maybe it's just a bad read on my part you know no but i think Uh, but i found some of the execution a little clunky like when they keep going like binary binary not binary i not binary binary yeah and i was like but this is what i mean about the overacting where i was like okay like just relax a bit it's part of doctor who yeah I mean, I love the episode. It felt like coming home, like seeing David Tennant oh, run out and like, I, and how Don is making fun of his skinny suit. Rose is just a wonderful character, though. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's well acted. Uh, I feel like certain aspects, like the slip up with the pronouns mm. by the grandmother character, are like handled actually subtly and really well. So it's like, like they're they're dealt with. It's it's yeah. there. It might be the sort of thing where like you don't. I mean, again, I can't speak for an experience of a yeah. trans person no. being like, how did that make me feel watching this? But like. I felt like it wasn't overly hammy at those parts. It was just yes. a quick correction and being like, no, we and don't say that. Move forward, yeah. Move over. And that felt good. So making the whole sort of crux of the episode being that like binary, not binary thing is the solution to the Time Lord energy. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that. It just felt like maybe a little too over the head. I do appreciate that it was written specifically and not just like That's a very good an point. afterthought. Yeah, that, sure. And I, I super agree that like it was clunky and – there was moments where I was like, okay, like we can, we got it. Yeah. But like, there's only so many times you can say I, that. I appreciate the yeah. effort. Yeah. And even like there, as we come to it in one of the later episodes, even making sure that the agent from unit who is in the wheelchair can't get up the stairs. Like there's all these little nuances of like, Ooh, that's not really like things have changed. Right. Oh, you know, I love that moment. I was like, yeah, like, yeah. That is a struggle that if you're going to put this person in this episode, like, let's show the thing that they deal with in society that we still, like, can't get our heads around it, accessibility. Uh, Yeah, no, I I thought that was worth it. I think, like, all of the inclusive stuff they had was great. Uh, Just a couple little quibbles with execution at some points. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, loved it. Loved the family. Loved Donna Noble as a wonderfully supportive parent. Um, 
random thoughts. Feels mm-hmm. like home. I think I said that already. He hops out of that TARDIS. He's done. We're I'm so just happy. Like, oh, yeah. oh, we're there again. Uh, Tennant is incredible. Like, I mean, it's like he's just putting on a second skin when he becomes the doctor. Like, it's so hard for me to say. I'm not sure Like, if I call Tennant. I think Tennant is my doctor. Like, I love them all so much, but he's got to be. He just embodies it. Yeah. Um, the the what, what, what recurring uh, sort of joke throughout the entire episode, like where everyone is just constantly stunned by everything that's happening. And then like this, the repetition of three. Yeah. Uh, whenever somebody says what, two more what's are followed immediately. And this joke happens like throughout the entire episode. Yeah. And I just loved it. <laughs> what? 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 Uh, it was really funny. Uh, Donna Noble remains amazing. Yeah. Uh, just fantastic. And I was really disappointed because Catherine Tate was on The Office, played Nellie. Mm-hmm. And I always thought she was so funny. And there's a lot of internet hate consistently still to this day for the character of Nellie and for Catherine Tate. And she just never really broke into the States. And she's wonderful. She's great. I think a lot of it has to do with misogyny, personally. Mm. I think she doesn't uh, fall into that sort of sexy companion um, fit that, like, Rose and Martha Mm. um, and, you know, Clara and Amy Pond all all carried, even Bill. Um, She was a different sort of physical presence and i think a lot of people just like i want my sexy doctor who companion even if they're not willing to say that out loud mm. and so the fact that she wasn't like this demure or not calling all the other companions demure but donna noble was just sort of a bit abrasive and that was like her charm that was the wonderful part about her I just love her and i think that just rubs some people the wrong hmm. way interesting something else i wanted to say for this for the star beast is uh when they're shutting down the meep ship and and tenant and uh tate are just like going nuts with like the completely meaningless techno babble i'm in love with that whole scene like it's just so dumb and campy in such well, a silly way it means they're nothing, smacking yeah. bunt and saying like calibrating the buzzle flizzle magger and stuff and they're just delivering these lines like they're eating cake and it's just like fantastic i yeah. loved it so much Oh, I'll show you destruction, mate. I will triple drive the particle manifesto, overstep the umbilical feed, vindicate the cyber line, and roast the hyperphase like this. Maximize the threshold links. Channel up the booster drive. Inculcate the plexiglass. And shatter fry the positrons. Yes! How long have I got to live? 55 seconds. Good chemistry between those Fantastic. two. Fantastic. And then like the real surprise for me, uh, and one of the best jokes of the episode is uh David Tennant sort of sharing the tenth fourteenth uh, doctor, sorry, shedding a tear for Wilf and uh and then Donna being like, You fucking moron, he's alive. He's just in like assisted care. <laughs> Yeah, like of course he wouldn't be alive anymore. Like, no, he is. So old. He's just old. Uh, It was great because I mean, the entire like Doctor Who community assumed he was just written off the show and dead, even though like people knew he was on set initially, but they assumed he'd be dead Mm. by the end of the episode at the very least. And that was just a delight for me. We got to move on. Let's do it. Special number two Wild Blue Yonder. Want to give us a breakdown? Well, it's it's interesting because I had read about the controversy of this episode before seeing it. And oh, I did not know that there was controversy. Because people get their nose all bent out of shape because uh, Donna and the Doctor get into the TARDIS and go on a little impromptu trip around time and space after Donna dumps coffee all over the TARDIS. 
and, <laughs> and they wind up in uh in, in, in past times where they run into Sir Isaac Newton, who's played oh, by that. a black man. And apparently lots of people on the internet were like, bah, 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 bah. you can't do that. And I wanted to be like, it's Doctor Who. But like, why not? I don't give a shit. The person did a good job. Yeah. Move on. Prove he wasn't black. He's literally in it for like five minutes. And that's the thing that I read on the internet was like BBC oh canceling. And I just thought, like, people, come off it. Anyway. The real gift from seeing Newton back in time there is 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 Mavity. Is Ma- and that's what I was going to say, that, like, the, the gift of this moment was, it was really comedically wonderful. Like, what was that beautiful word that they used? Mavity. <laughs> gravity. And they continue to use Mavity throughout I, the episode <laughs> in place of gravity. I and know, it's, it's so wonderful. It's so funny. Um, but then it got into this really interesting space battle with... Okay, synopsis. They crash into a spaceship that they find out is on the edge of the known universe. But with vampires. Of a sort, yeah. Yeah. Space, other universe, vampire monsters. Yes. And I have to say, like, truly... Better shapeshifters. Truly awful body horror shit yes. going on here that is actually scary. And I think one of the scariest yeah. parts about them is that initially... These creatures, apparently, by getting to know the people that they've duplicated, uh, can take on their persona and, I guess, eventually become them and become corporeal and move themselves fully into this material plane or or existence. But so initially, they're just having these actually sort of like nice character moments discussing personal shit with each other. But then it turns into like... it takes such a sinister turn. So the whole point is, how did they get into the universe? How do we stop them? You know, what's going mm-hmm. on? Blah, blah, blah. The usual Doctor Who fair. Um, for me, they're running away from them, and it's sort of comical at first, and then they just morph into those absolutely terrifying beasts that end up, like, clogging the hallway together. I wondered if it was a little bit of a commentary on AI mm. and how the internet, oh. like, it starts taking over your, like, person oh. and blocking your way to reality just and because... taking your place in reality. Interesting. Yeah. And you can't get back and forth anymore because there were so many little nuances, how they'd pick up the personality of Donna and then run mm. with it to the point that even like someone it who becomes was a character like Donna and the doctor are best friends. Yes. Anyway. So I just thought that was a little interesting thing. That's fascinating. I never uh, really thought about sort of an overarching theme on that episode. I was too busy just enjoying. Um, I want to watch them all through again. Just like. Oh, Absolutely. I had intended to, but you know, real life. Yeah, we, we were lucky. We each watched them. Ooh, that was, good for we're lucky us. We got through all three of we them. We got through all good three of us. them. Uh, we have definitely done episodes where we did not get through everything nope. we intended to. Just read the Wikipedia's. Can I tell mm-hmm. you who my favorite character of this episode was? Is it the robot? It's Jimbo the robot. Yes, he was so cute. <laughs> he was cute. I like a cute little he, robot. Uh, gave me some serious Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie yes. vibes. Uh, yes, he did. The, the Marvin vibes from that one with oh. uh, Bilbo. Bilbo? <laughs> Bilbo. Alan, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman plays him, but Bilbo Baggins is uh, our, what's his face? Arthur. Arthur Dent. Arthur. There you go. Why yes. can't I remember his real name? Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> That's Martin Freeman, yes. Okay. I get him confused with the other Freeman. Um, I do really like and the And Freeman on the land. Oh, Freeman on the land. Do you know do you know what Freeman on the land are? No. Oh, we get to take a slight little sidestep here oh, for a second. Okay. Ben's going on a tangent. Mm-hmm. 
there are these people that believe that if they declare themselves sort of separate from society and laws, that they no longer have to follow those and won't be persecuted by them. And <laughs> I've seen videos of those people trying to cross borders and they usually wind up out of their vehicle on their face on the ground. Yeah, or trying to deny uh, like traffic stops. They'll do things like not register their cars and make up <laughs> their own license plates, uh, go into Airbnbs and refuse to leave and claim awesome. that like, wow. the laws of like the space – that's one where like we get into a territory where I'm like pretty anti Airbnb to start with because of the way it's affected sort of like housing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you need a place to live and that's your way, but like, it's just very fascinating. They refuse to leave. They'll make claims to the place. They'll, they'll call their land that they live on like their own unceded territory or that they they're big on contract law, which they all seem to fundamentally misunderstand. <laughs> I do not enter into a contract with you. I am not part of this government. <laughs> like part of it it's or like, not, dude, you're crossing yeah, this territory. That's, that's not how this works, buddy. More intelligent people than me can uh, tell you more specifically why it's all bogus bullshit, but like you, you get the gist of it just by understanding the attempts that they're making. But it's yeah, Martin Freeman on the land is a uh, as a hobbit who no longer participates mm-hmm. in social in the Shire's laws. Uh, where were we? Wild Baloo yonder. They solve the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. It ends in an awesome way where the doctor takes fake Donna into the TARDIS as the ship is Mm self-destructing. And there's this moment where she turns Donna, real Donna, and faces the onslaught of like the flames coming towards her. And just like, she's got like a tear running down her face. And it was just like, you can just see she's so powerful. How how can you not know me after all this time? Yes. How could you get it wrong? Yeah. It was beautiful. And we get a sort of plot relevant moment where the doctor commits a superstitious act at the edge of the universe and apparently invites in chaos from beyond our known universe. He throws down a salt line and suggests that these apparitions, these beasts, these vampires can't cross it. Because they got to count all the salt grains. Yeah, they got to count them first if they want to cross. And uh, and apparently this is a big no-no. He, is, uh, he has invited some sort of calamity into the universe and opened a doorway by doing so. It's weird. It's a very sort of... Yeah, human thing. It feels outside of, yeah, Doctor Who uh, in some ways. like it, But not at the same time. But I got to say, I do love it because... Um, Donna, well, vampire Donna. Just like a completely unscientific approach to solving a problem, which is not necessarily the doctor's way. But it's so funny because the way that she throws herself at the ground, she's like, "Ah, I have to do it. And she gets down on the ground and it's just like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Hilarious. (laughs) You're lying. And it's like, yeah, he was lying, but you know, you still got down there and started counting. Anyhow, Wild Blue Gondor, I, I thought was just fantastic. Yeah. Basically just a vehicle for Catherine Tate and David Tennant to go nuts, uh, Chew scenery. And just show their chops. And just play off each other. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That was great. Let's move on. Special three. The giggle. <laughs> the giggle. Creepy AF. This episode. Yeah. It starts creepy and it just keeps being creepy uh, throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the premise here, Lex? Uh, it starts in, I think it's like the 1920s where there is a toy maker as played by Neil Patrick Harris. MPH himself. And basically a toy doogie hauser md a toy is purchased that is then filmed for one of the very first television programs or like television product broadcasts Broadcast, yeah. yeah and uh creates chaos in the modern days because the the last episode ends with them coming back to camden street where they do actually run into wealth and but people are so mad at each other and they're getting to these weird arguments on streets and all hell is breaking loose, the chaos that you alluded to. Um, but then we come back and it's actually got something to do with the toy maker. Mm, a character from 
the doctor's far past when he was a younger man. Far, far past. Yes. As he alludes to in this episode, which I love. So this elicits a sort of face-off between MPH's uh, toy maker and the doctor. Mm-hmm. Basically, the essence is, is that this creature, the toy maker, uh, abides by only uh, the rules of, of playing games. And so the doctor challenges him to a mm-hmm. game, uh, the winner of which gets, you know, the safety of humanity or whatever. Or the destruction. And that's sort of the plot for the mm-hmm. episode. And we just do that the whole time. And then eventually, you know, the doctor wins because that's what the doctor does. Always wins. And plus, it's the perfect way to introduce the new doctor. Yeah. The new doctor, which we have to get to. That is uh, a wild way for that to happen. But that's kind of the gist of it, right? Well, I mean, I do have to talk about how I absolutely love that Neil Patrick Harris comes out at one point singing Spice Girls, Spice Up Your Life. Incredible. Okay, I mean, we have to take a whole aside. Like, we need to spend a full, like, five minutes dealing with Spice Up Your Life and how that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's get there in a few minutes. But, like, initially... Neil Patrick Harris hits the screen running. Like he is so good just to start with. He's creepy. He is doing this really ridiculous German accent where he just adds like duh in front of every word. I'm the king. Und now, my kleine Doctor, we will see what is my prize. And it's very clearly unintentional. Like it's not supposed to be a convincing German accent no. because he no. drops it occasionally to go into a British accent. Which is part of what at one point they're like, didn't you just have a different accent? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then he also occasionally throughout the episode drops that and becomes American. He's uh, an American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just fantastic. Now, did you watch him when he was on, when he was Count Olaf on Lemony Second I did not. on the Netflix series? He played the hell out of that part i gotta say i've i've heard that from a few people um especially in response to this episode but yeah Yeah. i never got into the tv show lemony snickets i watched the movie and i was just like this is too sad it just seems sad all the time i loved it i loved it so i loved the movie i loved the tv show i loved the books i could lemony snicket for days any who's old well i'll get into it we can do a lemony snickets episode at some point (laughs) or sad girl lexi talks more about books great yeah that sounds fine we need to do more (laughs) book stuff we've been kind of media like tv movie heavy this year i felt so we got to get into some more literary shit and show our chops perfect our book chops um, but yeah, like MPH just eats every scene. He is so fantastic. Yeah, let's get into it. Spice up your life. So at some point, the doctor, Donna, a previous companion, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Kate Lethbridge-Stewart and our new friend, the tech person from UNIT, they're all in UNIT headquarters. And in a demonstration of how he is beyond sort of the... I don't know, the the metaphysics of our universe. Neil Patrick Harris just pops up and starts doing uh, a full choreographed scene to Spice Up Your Life by the Spice Girl. And turning people and bullets into balls and balloons and toys, and it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, in some truly horrifying yes. moments, yeah. Uh, he's just dancing, um, people are trying to shoot him, and he's just, their bullets are coming out as flowers, and was, I'm like, at some point I'm like, yeah. Stop trying to shoot him. You can see it's not going to work. What are you doing? Even like rushing him. You're 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 just playing into his game here. And then yeah, a couple of the you know generic soldiers run up to him and get turned into these balls. But not just that, they bounce all over, and one of the characters grabs one and it just shrieks at her. Mm. And that was awful. I found that just terrible. Uh, one of my favorite moments from this episode is when uh, the toy maker has Doctor and Donna in his like little trap box, and he's. Uh, doing sort of a recap of uh, 
what happened with the doctor while uh, Donna has been sort of not with him. And it's sort of this like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, rundown of what happened to his previous companions and how they all died. (laughs) And it's really great. Yeah. Uh, I forget. Clara gets turned, gets killed by a, um, a weeping angel and then the doctor interjects that actually she lives, she died of old mm-hmm. age just in the pa- in her own past. <laughs> and then uh, Neil Patrick Harris does this great <laughs> thing where he just screams at the screen and he goes, well, I guess that's all right then. <laughs> in an American accent. In an American accent, just screams at it. I might be getting the wording a little bit. Well, all right then. He does it for each companion. Well, I guess that's all right then. Well, that's all right then. Um, and then, you know, you get uh, Clara, who I guess got killed by a bird. I actually don't remember how she dies. I don't remember either. And then something about how, like, the doc, like, she didn't, you know, really die. The doctor gave her some sort of, like, weird metaphysical ending. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, I guess that's all right then. <laughs> and then, you know, again, for Bill, who is by far the most tragic new companion ever. Yes. I don't know if you recall that episode with how she how she perishes with the, the uh, Cybermen and like gets turned into one and is just like no. is a fucking brutal episode. Go back and watch that one. Okay. World enough and time and the doctor falls uh, are her sort of death episodes. But yeah, and again, uh the doctor sort of manages to create some sort of space for her to live inside her own brain or in a computer chip or something. Mm. Her consciousness lives on. And then we get the Neil Patrick Harris. Well, I guess that's all right then. Like this is, these are not happy endings for these people. Even if you're yeah, even, trying to suggest yeah. that they are, yeah. uh, that things are okay. I just love that scene. I just thought it was great. The sort of direness of uh, what had happened to the doctor's companions. Mm-hmm. Um, and Donna Noble herself, almost dead. If not for, forgetting the doctor for so long yeah uh ultimately um the toy maker is challenged to a final game uh which is so and they choose catch the very which is suggested to be the very first the very first game ever made i mean fair enough yeah but first he gets shot by the toy maker tenant's 14th doctor gets blasted through the chest by this giant galvatron beam or whatever the fuck it was called Mm -hmm. and uh you know we're getting the usual emotional you know, like I'm regenerating and he's got Donna Noble and one of his previous companions, Mel, I think is her name on the other mm-hmm. side. And they're just both standing there with him. And then the regeneration just sort of stops and, and tenant looks like he's going to have a shit. And then he says, pull my arm. And, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Pull me. I know. And like, we've been, if you've been watching since Eccleston, at least like, this is a lot of who for us now, there are patterns that we're used to. And this is not part of that. No. And they pull, they pull him. And what happens, Lex? The doctor becomes black. Well, actually, he splits in twain, and we still have David Tennant. But he, what is it like by? F- they call it by generation, and this by is generation. the first time that we're ever running into this. Yeah, and so he splits into two different entities, um, which is awesome because earlier in the series, we or the episodes, Donna was talking about what if you just stopped, and what I really appreciate, I, I took it as a little bit of a life lesson because. After the Doctor is split in two, um, they defeat the toy maker together. In, like, one of the most stunning games of catch ever. I've never seen catch look so exciting. So impressive. But then they talk about how it's time for him to stop. Yeah. uh, David Tennant's version of Doctor Who and slow down. And 
you know, you're not looking like yourself or, I, and I thought that that was, uh, I'm expecting him to get reabsorbed. Well, I feel like we're not done with tenant yet. Like something else is going to come up, but I can't see why you would do this. If you're not going to do something yeah. like a side hustle or some sort of like special or some sort of like spinoff show where he comes back to like save the other doctor at some point to like give him his essence or there's, we're just not done with tenant yet, but I did appreciate the whole, like you need to slow down. We're in theory land. Absolutely. Uh, the line where he's like, you're me. And then mm-hmm. Shooty's doctor, the 15th doctor, just goes like, no. I'm me. Yeah, I I'm like me. that. But there's there's so many little... Oh, I freaking love it. I also love how Shooty starts his first like without scene pants. as the doctor uh, without <laughs> no. pants. He's just in underwear. But there's so many little moments as the episode is ending where it really did feel like the torch passing. Where like uh, before they're leaving. Yeah, so the TARDIS uh, also splits in two. So there's two different TARDI. TARDI? Tardi. Tardi. Um, Why not? Sure. If it's cacti, it's Tardi. So, and then they go inside to see Tardises. if the TARDIS is the same as the other TARDIS. And then they hug. The two doctors hug. Mm-hmm. And then Tennant just gives them a little salute. And I just thought, like, oh, it's so nice. Yeah. This is a little Wilf moment. Yeah. If you remember and Wilf saluting to Tennant's 10th doctor. I just thought that that was really sweet because it really is, like, I feel like... He's tell like Tennant is telling the community like trust that this is going to be awesome. So I'm excited. I mean, I see no reason. So there, there is obviously some pushback on this stuff on you know like what's by generation, blah blah blah. But like, yeah, we have already seen the Doctor run into other Doctors about a million times now. Yeah, it happens. This is it's it's normal. It's a displacement of time in those situations. Like the time mm-hmm. lines are crossing. So why not a displacement in space? If the Doctor has always been like an adventure in time and space, then let's mm-hmm. spin, split the Doctor in space this time yes. instead of just time. Let's do it. Wow, that sentence had a lot of weird words like repetitive time, space, space time, 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 time. Times string yeah. theory. So, like, I don't honestly, know. it results in the same thing. We are going to follow the current, the fifteenth Doctor, the the Prime Doctor, whatever you want to call Doctor Prime. <gasps> oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, and then you know there is the option for the other Doctor to interact again and still get older, and it'll make more sense that he is looking older because yeah. he's continuing on. But it makes no like real difference to the the show itself. Mm-hmm. The operative way uh, still continues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's um, it's a very interesting moment. I think Sh- uh, Shooty just like nails the scene. Like he is the Doctor immediately. Immediately he has all the oh, vibe. Yeah, all the charisma, all the energy. Like, yeah, just fantastic. Now, someone tell me what the hell is going on here. Excuse me. Sorry, but uh, how did that happen? By generation. <laughs> I have bi-generated. There's no such thing. Bi-generation is supposed to be a myth, but... <sighs> Look at me. I have loved uh, Gatwa from from Sex Education, which I talk up all the time. I know you do. So when I'm... they announced him, I was elated. You were so excited. So yeah. freaking excited. Like, I knew he was going to be brilliant. Um, just fantastic. And, and we're right. We get a beautiful scene with the doctor basically retiring yep. tenants 14th doctor retiring having a nice little outside dinner with his family i love that yep and with the suggestion though that he's actually still sneaking away on a couple adventures mm-hmm. uh he's popped off with rose and even donna noble's mom i forget her name <laughs> evil stepmother yes yeah which i really thought was interesting mm-hmm. um and and again possibly a setup for some sort of side spin-off show mm-hmm 
Which like you said, I, great. We're, we're probably not done with the doctor. Some of the theorizing, beautiful episode, really enjoyed it. Love Neil Patrick Harris, love Shooty, yep. love Tennant, love Catherine Tate. Like everything yep. is fantastic. It's a blast. It surprised me, which is wild for Doctor Who at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, by generation. That's fun. Like, sure, um, this is new. Yeah. People are suggesting that Tennant's Doctor could go on to uh, regenerate into uh, the curator. If you remember that character oh. from uh, that episode with Matt Smith that sort of wrapped up the time yeah. or sort of issue when he runs into himself. Yes. I never even thought of – yeah, that's interesting. And the curator even suggests to him at that time that he is going to uh, revisit a few faces. Huh. Okay. So there we go. So that should have yeah. foreshadowed tenants wow. coming back at some point already. Like here's the bombshell I kind of want to wrap up with here is uh, – Yeah. Apparently, RTD, uh, Russell T. Davies, has yep. said that this by generation has actually affected every doctor ever now. Retroactively back through time, every single doctor lived that regenerated and has split off into separate universes oh. or separate doctors of their own. So we could have like all like a Matt Smith, oh, and Eccleston. None of them died is basically what by generation suggests that like this toy maker gift has changed how all of this works. Well, now that's just beating the toy interesting. maker. I don't know how I feel. Okay. So we'll see how that plays out. If this is just him saying stuff, I don't know, but he, he, in an interview, uh, I had a link for it. We'll put it in the show notes, but basically says like each doctor that died, they didn't actually die. They got up and they did things after that. They crawled out of, uh, what is it? Sylvester McCoy, who turns into Paul McGann. <laughs> Uh, he crawls out of the, uh, yeah. the meat locker yeah, at the it. morgue and, and goes on, keeps moving. So that's the suggestion. So each one of them, like, oh. which also suggests that there's actually two David Tennant doctors out there at this point. Oh, my God. That would be awesome if they all met up and like yeah. twinsies. Yeah. yeah, had sex with themselves. Well, not that. But, you know, I appreciate them high-fiving each other at some lie. point. I'm okay with some Tennant on Tennant action. It's fine. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, anyway. Timey wimey, wibbly wobbly. I will pose this question. Do you think the doctor has never made out with himself? I don't think this the, uh, the doctor is a sexual being. Oh, definitely is. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, he yeah. has been in love with companions previously. Him and Martha. Well, been in love, but like a, like a, to the point that you're. Maybe not, maybe not engaged with him because it would be weird. Like there's a time difference there, but he is definitely. He's definitely – he's alluded to relationships with, like, the Ronnie and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but, I mean, to the point that he's willing to commit, like, weird kind of incestuous acts with himself. It's not incestuous as much as it is sort of masturbation, I would suggest. Ah, that's an interesting concept that I've never, ever thought about before. And nobody wanted to. Let's move on. I think that's it. Do we have any final thoughts on the third special? The Meep was awesome. The Meep was great. Wild Blue Yonder. I thought all three of these were just fantastic. Excellent. A, a bloody blast to, to watch, if you will – Allow Loved the it. British parlance. Wonderful. And it was just great to see Tennant. Can't wait to see what uh, is next with uh, Shooty. Yeah. Good luck, Shooty. You got this. And, and, and RTD's return. Very excited. Yeah. I guess that's it. That's the episode. Until next time. Dork, 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 dork. Meet me. I can't do the Doctor Who theme. It's too hard to sing. <laughs> You need to get like the theremin. (laughs) (laughs) 
Peace. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give us a rating, and tell your friends about us. If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song, Dance, off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Begaini, and the Gaina. We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Métis Nation Region 3.